Today's Egg Spotlight episode is sponsored by Energrow. Energrow's oilseed pressing system helps farmers crush their feed costs. The easy way to make fresh, homegrown, high-quality meal plus expeller pressed oil right on the farm. The fully automated Turnkey Crush Pro is easy to set up and run 24-7. To learn more, go to energrow.ca. Welcome to the North American Egg Spotlight. I'm Chrissy Wozniak. On June 9th of this year, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and Department of the Army announced their intent to revise the definition of waters of the United States. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with an expert on the matter, Senior Director of the American Farm Bureau Federation from Fairfax Station, Virginia, Don Parrish. Welcome, Don, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Christy. It is my pleasure to be here. Awesome. Can you uh, tell me a little bit about your background? Absolutely. Uh, I've been with the Farm Bureau a lot of years. I've got 33 years, 33 years in with the Farm Bureau. Uh, have spent most of that time uh, really focused on the Clean Water Act and how that impacts farmers and ranchers. Uh, you know, I consider farmers and ranchers, you know, the first environmentalists. We care about our land. We care about our water. But, you know, working with um, you know, the agencies and Congress to kind of make sure that the Clean Water Act does what it's supposed to do, which is provide the nation clean water, but also the clarity that farmers need to be able to produce the food, fiber, and fuel that we all need. Right. Uh, you know, that's kind of my job, just making sure that we were able to achieve that by working together. Oh, that's great. And the uh, the American Farm Bureau maintained that the Obama-era 2015 Water of the United States rule represented massive regu regulatory overreach and that it violated landowners' private property rights. So first, can you tell me about the Navigable Waters Protection Rule that rolled, rolled out in 2020 by the Trump administration and the history kind of of the, uh, of the ongoing debate? So what we're debating Christie is not things that are truly recognizable. Right. Uh, you know, we all can understand rivers and lakes. We also can understand things that that flow and that are aquatic in nature. You know, we're talking streams that flow 365 days a year. You know, that have you know kind of a volume and and frequency of flow that we all recognize as being streams. Mm -hmm. Where where we really differ. Uh, primarily with the Obama administration back in 2015, is their reach into areas where it is very difficult to distinguish where land begins and water starts. So think of things like ditches or think of things like a landscape where water, when it rains heavily, water kind of congregates and flows. Right. Whereas without the rain, there's no water and it's land. Those are the kinds of issues and the kind of places that I want your listeners to really understand is what we're arguing about. We're not arguing about, you know, quote, navigable waters. We believe navigable has meaning and the agency should give that word and that term in the regulation meaning and not just try to regulate land use uh, in a way that that really puts government or maybe a lot of other citizens you know, between, you know, land use and, and, and proper protection of the environment. Right. Yeah. Because a, a ditch can have water for a quarter of the year. And is that water or is that land? And, um, and I know in, in the Trump ruling, it, it was clearly defined as clear as possible, but there were still problems with it. Uh, what do you foresee the EPA writing into the regulations? 
So one of the things that the Trump administration did, like you indicated, is that they were very specific. Uh, they wanted uh, connections to downstream waters that were observable, things that you and I could walk up on the landscape and see. Uh, that was important because they didn't want the public, uh, citizens, farmers and ranchers, to get into trouble uh, over uh, things that you and I could not see with our naked eye. That's that's kind of critical because the Clean Water Act is it carries some very stiff criminal and civil penalties. So it's important that if we've got to comply with the rules and the regulations, you know, my mother and my father and my cousins and uncles, you know, whether they're farming or not, they need to be able to kind of understand on the landscape where the federal government is going to regulate. And I think that's important. I think that, you know, we don't expect people to obey speed limit signs without having speed limit signs up on the road. Right. So I think it's critical in the case of, of the Clean Water Act that the public be able to embrace and understand why we're regulating certain areas the way we do, because we all want clean water. Yes. Yeah, That's that should be a given I'm on both sides of it, right? Yes. Yeah. And Zippy Duval recently said clean water and clarity are paramount. And that's why farmers shouldn't need a team of lawyers and consultants to farm. So what is the impact on farmers? Well, the impact is kind of broad and widespread, mm -hmm. uh, depending upon ultimately what is, you know, what meets that definition of waters of the United States. There's a lot of things that could have, you know, that could impact farmers and ranchers. Everything from, you know, how deeply they can plow, how often they can plow uh, certain uh, types of, of land. It could also impact how they utilize different uh, uh, cultural techniques, whether or not they can use nutrients or maybe control the weeds and the insects in those areas. All of that is critically important and to producing food, but it's also kind of critically important to know when you need to go to the federal government and ask permission mm -hmm. and or when you can do it without that. And you know, the whole issue of, are we going to recognize these spots or these places uh, as being protected under the Clean Water Act, I think we all understand that it's it's important that we we be able to understand that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So now the previous rulings in place until they get the new regulations in order. So how long do you think that'll take? Well, that's a good question. Uh, one of the things that is very interesting, if we go back to the 2015 rule, that rule was never implemented nationwide. It was really kind of implemented in kind of a hopscotch or checkerboard type of approach. And the reason it was never implemented nationwide is that there were a lot of judges that had some serious problems with, with the way that that rule was developed. Uh, the, the Trump administration rule or the Navigable Waters Protection Rule has gone into effect nationwide. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, uh, every judge that looked at it, including some pretty, you know, liberal judges have said that that rule has, uh, it is a reasonable interpretation of the statute. Right. It is not something that, that goes beyond what Congress intended. It is probably something that does incorporate uh, the terms that Congress used. And, and, you know, when you look at the history of the Clean Water Act, you look at the kind of debate and discussions around it, you know, the judges looked at it and says, you know, we think this is reasonable. 
So it has gone into effect nationwide. We're hopeful that it's going to stay in place for quite some time, but this administration has given us every indication that they're going to repeal that rule. Right. Yeah. And and that brings me to my next point. Michael Reagan heads up the EPA and his previous role was the head of North Carolina Department of Environmental Quality. But it said that he's he worked closely with farmers and ranches and he did win support from agriculture groups when Biden tapped him for the new role. But the EPA didn't engage farmers and landowners before announcing these plans to repeal the rule and, uh, in fact, said that the agency determined that the current rule is leading to significant environmental degradation. What are your comments about that? Well, I have two comments. And and the first one is I do think, you know, Michael Reagan did a really nice job doing a lot of outreach to, to farm organizations. Uh, he spent a good bit of time talking to our president, President Duvall. And, and clearly, President Duvall made the determination that he was the kind of person that would at least listen mm-hmm. to farmers and ranchers. I think that was uh, a problem uh, back during the Obama administration because they lo- they considered a lot of our our concerns silly uh, or you know not very credible. So it really put a bad taste in farmers' mouth about wanting to do outreach and, and mm-hmm. to you know make those kinds of conversations. So that was a good thing. Uh, that he was so open and, and, you know, pledged to us that he would be transparent in whatever he did here. But what he did back in June was something that was, we consider, a little one-sided. Uh, he listened to the other side. They were basically saying that there's problems. And he, he talked about uh, the 333 projects that had been uh, determined not to be jurisdictional now but was jurisdictional prior to the Navigable Waters Protection Rule. And you know what? We've spent a good bit of time looking at those individually. And I can tell you that that we've had individuals, individuals from Farm Bureau with boots on the ground, go out and take a look at a number of those projects. And what concerns us is that they're talking about those projects being uh, kind of anti-environmental. There's a number of those projects where they were actually uh, enhancing or redeveloping wetlands. So you would have needed a permit prior to the Navigable Waters Protection Rule, but after the Navigable Waters Protection Rule, it made it easier to restore these wetlands. That was an example. I see. Other examples were things like uh, conservation practices, grass waterways, where farmers put these grass waterways into a into their fields to reduce uh, soil erosion and and slow water coming off of the field down. There were numbers of those projects that were prior to the Navigable Waters Protection Rule deemed to be jurisdictional, but after the after the Navigable Waters Protection Rule, they weren't. So, you know, the whole issue of whether or not these projects are causing environmental harm kind of goes out the window because these these best management practices were put in place to improve the environment. Uh, We saw it in the case of farm ponds, particularly in the case of farm ponds where farmers were trying to store water uh, so that their animals would have, you know, water Mm -hmm. or where they were trying to store water for irrigation purposes. Things that what we would consider not only good for the farm and good for their animals and good for our irrigation, but also good for the environment. So that we were kind of using and recycling that water. So we've looked at those and we've kind of scratched our head to say, you know, really, you know, the primary reason 
that this administration has given for trying to repeal that navigable waters protection rule is the harm that is happening to the environment. And the projects that they've, they've presented us as, as examples of why that is the case seems to be just the opposite, or at least a good number of them. And, and you know, I'm scratching my head to say, you know, if we dig into this a little closer, you know, what's really going on here? Is it really about trying to stop projects? Because there were projects in here like, you know, solar farms and solar farm uh, energy storage facilities. They were a whole lot of these things that were, we think, pretty balanced in terms of how we protect the environment, but yet do good things for society. Yeah, it seems like there are so many, so many opinions, right? The Vermont Law School professor, Patrick Parento, he told Politico last month that it's hallucinogenic to think that any sort of agreement could be reached among the long warring parties. That's really sad. So what do you think of that? Is, Is that true, do you think? You know, here's what I know. Farmers and ranchers care about the environment. They care about water quality. But they also are going to draw the line by, you know, when 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 an administration tries to use the Clean Water Act as a surrogate for federal land use. They're also going to draw the line on any regulations that try to write the term navigable out of the Clean Water Act. Those are those are important terms. And those are the terms that Congress used. They were the terms that were that was ultimately enacted in the statute. So, you know, farmers and ranchers want it balanced. You know, they don't want to, you know, give up a property right or to put something into place that is going to create, you know, water quality issues. But they want they want a balanced approach. They want one that is protective of the environment, but yet provides the clarity that they need to be able to farm. Yeah. Yeah. I always find that that divide is so interesting because they, everyone has to eat, right? So why is this the farmer's problem? This is all of our problem, right? It really is. And, and to be perfectly honest, I think all of us appreciate and understand that, um, that that we need to protect the environment, but we also need our laws to be clear and so that we can comply with them. And, and we want to do that in a way that that is balanced. If you if you tip the scales too far in one way or the other, you know, I can understand that we have a bad result of a, from a federal policy. But we want to try to put a policy in place that does provide that balance and that gives the public what they need, which is clean water, clear rules. Yeah, absolutely. So is there anything that we, you know, the people involved in, ag and farming, is there anything we can do to help the situation? You know, that is really important, Christy. I think uh, most farmers and for sure most of the public need to kind of understand the details of this issue. You know, anybody can kind of get tripped up over the the mountains and volumes of minutiae when it comes to federal regulations and, you know, what is being proposed out there. But, But I think your listeners need to really kind of pay attention to what's going on here. And they need to kind of, you know, they need to kind of ground proof, not only what farmers and ranchers are saying, and they should do that, but they should also ground truth what what the government is saying and what environmentalists are saying. Mm -hmm. And is there, you know, does it really, does it really pan out? And are people being truthful and are they using um, their, their credibility in a way to, 
to put a policy in place that's good for the country. And and I would encourage your people to really focus in on that. Uh, to me, uh, the Clean Water Act is pretty clear. We want to protect water, but if we're if we're pushing the statute beyond the, the the pale, if we're pushing it to the point where we are regulating land as opposed to water, uh, then I think we've gone too far as a nation, and I think the government needs to you know kind of take a step back. Absolutely. And where can people get more information? You know, we would love to provide that information. Uh, you know, the American Farm Bureau website is a great resource. Uh, and we would we would be more than happy to have that information made available. So, um, you know, we also have a number of state Farm Bureaus. Uh, please go out and, you know, those are those issues are probably going to be front and center on all of those state Farm Bureau websites. So whatever we can do to be helpful, whether it's, you know, those websites are going to AFBF and getting, you know, directly in touch with me. They're welcome to do that. My email is donp at fb.org, and I'd be happy to respond to people. Awesome. That's great. And so I have one last question for you. Why do you do what you do? What is your passion here? You know, my passion here is, is, is trying to help farmers achieve their goals and objectives. And their goals and objectives, believe it or not, is really about having a lifestyle that protects the environment, that makes their farm better for their next generation, but yet being able to produce food in a way that is affordable to the consumer and profitable to the farmer. So to me, I think it's it's making sure that all of that can take place. Farmers can be profitable. They can stay on the land. They can bring the next generation into the farm. And consumers, when they go to the grocery store, or if they have a direct relationship with the farmer, can go get the products they need in order to feed their families and be happy with what they have, whether that's beef, pork, chicken, you know, or lettuce and tomatoes and you name it. Whatever we put on our tables, uh, our members want to be able to produce that, and they want to produce it in, in quantities and at a price that consumers need and are willing to pay for. Yeah, that's what it comes down to, right? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Don. This is a huge issue, and I really appreciate your analysis. Well, thank you. Uh, It is a critical issue. I think it is clearly uh, an issue that most farmers and ranchers truly appreciate. Mm -hmm. It is one that that they understand that uh, the government needs to get this right. And if, it, if we get it right, we can have it all. And, you know, it's a win-win. It's a win-win for the resource. It's a win-win for farmers. So uh, when we don't get it right, you know, people put their thumb on the scale and, and the regulation goes awry. And, and we need to get this one right. Yeah, I agree. Well, thanks again. And thanks to everyone who's watching or listening. If you want more information, we'll provide the, the uh, links in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to North American Egg Spotlight on our YouTube and Rumble channels. And the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, and wherever you listen to podcasts. So thanks and have a great day. Thank you, Kristen. Thanks so much for listening to today's Egg Spotlight episode, where we put the spotlight on people and companies doing great things for the agricultural industry. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star review. 
You can also follow us on YouTube and Rumble to see the video version of Ag Spotlight. Also, head on over to NorthAmericanAg.com to subscribe to our Industry Connect update newsletter. If you're interested in advertising opportunities, email us at connect at NorthAmericanAg.com. Thanks for listening. FastLine Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? FastLine Auctions knows farmers, and farmers have trusted FastLine for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy, you can bid with confidence. No buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. FastLine Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit FastLine.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the FastLine Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m. To register for this webinar, go to NorthAmericanAg.com slash FastLine hyphen webinar. That's NorthAmericanAg.com slash FastLine hyphen webinar to register now.